Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealth Ability. So, big business is woke. Uh, <laughs> how'd this happen? How did we even get to the point where business was more was became so political? And uh, this is just this is a fascinating idea. It's fascinating because it affects all of our businesses. It affects how do you discuss certain things? You know, uh, you know, even even the cancel culture side of things uh, affects how you discuss things and what you can discuss and why do you discuss it? We're going to get into that and how it affects your business and how actually what some things that you can do about this. And I'm really thrilled to have Steve Sukup with us from uh, his book is The Dictatorship of Woke Capital. I love the title. Um, thank you very much. It says how political correctness captured big business. So Steve, welcome to the Wealth Ability Show. Thank you very much for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. So we were talking before, but just a, um, you know, I'm in a, why did you get in this? What's your background that would get you into discussing woke capitalism? Uh, 25 years ago, fresh out of graduate school, uh, I joined the Washington research team at Prudential Securities, uh, which was the number one rated institutional investor research team for eight years uh, straight. We got into uh, my boss, my senior analyst, and I got into uh, a little bit of trouble uh, at our firm uh, over politics. Uh, we left and joined another firm, another large firm that's now defunct, stayed there for a couple of years before getting into a tussle over uh, the politicization of capital markets. And we decided at that point we wanted to be independent. So we've been independent research providers for 19 years now, uh, providing our analysis of economic, social uh, and political uh, events and trends to institutional investors uh, on our own as independents um, and roughly three or four years ago, it became apparent to me uh, that the few instances of politicization that we had seen uh, working for, for large firms several years ago had become more and more uh, the norm on Wall Street. Uh, and so it became an issue that, that concerned me greatly and that I wanted to delve into more. Uh, and what I learned uh, from a handful of people who've been involved in uh, shareholder activism and pushing back against woke shareholder shareholder activism for several years was that this is pervasive, uh, that uh, the way that the capital markets function today is very much set up uh, to be a top-down anti-democratic process by which business uh, is trying to change the relationship between the citizen and the state and thus trying to change the way uh, American businesses function. Yeah, but let, let, let's, so that's the essence of it. So let's talk about this uh, to begin with. So a business, uh, particularly a public company, 
is mandated. I mean, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders, fiduciary responsibility to produce profit for their shareholders, right? That, that is their mandate. So I've got to believe there's money behind this. So I, I, I have a hard time believing there's anything but money behind this. So why? Why, why, why have we seen this very quick? I mean, I, it's been rapid in the last eight years. The, the, this, this, this quick shift from just going, just going after profits and building shareholder value and going after mission to going to, you know, being careful what you say, firing people over what they say, you know, there's cancel culture part is part of this. Where did it all come from? Well, uh, the book uh, delves into uh, the history of it and, and it essentially traces it back more than 150 years. Uh, but in the immediate sense, uh, I, I think you're right. There was uh, money to be made and some people who are very good at making money, uh, who are very good at collecting assets. In fact, the primary mover in this is Larry Fink, the founder and CEO of the largest asset management firm that's ever existed. Uh, and um, he saw an opportunity uh, not only to advance what he thought were important uh, political values, but also to create sort of a niche for himself and for his firm as, as one of the most aggressively uh, sustainable uh, asset management firms around. And, and it's benefited him tremendously. Uh, and it's benefited the others who have gotten involved as well. Uh, so yeah, there was a lot of money to be made. There was a market that was untapped. Uh, and there were some uh, longstanding historical, economic, and philosophical forces uh, that made that, at the time that they made the move, it made it very... Uh, sensible and very lucrative. Okay, so we've seen we've seen Facebook overtly politicized, we've seen other big companies overtly politicized and woke. Are are they just trying to to catch up and be part of this because that that's what they see their investors want or is there something else behind it? Well, uh, generally speaking, when a company takes on a woke position, uh, it's receiving pressure from one of three directions. Uh, it's receiving pressure from the bottom up, which would be as employees, uh, which is something that happens an awful lot with tech companies. Uh, it could be re re receiving pressure from the top down, uh, which would be in the C-suites. Uh, if, for example, Mark Zuckerberg wanted something done uh, that was particularly uh, political, uh, there would be pressure on the company to do it. Um, and then we see pressure from the outside in, uh, which most often takes the place of shareholder activism. Uh, so it could be any of those three in tech. As I said, a lot of the pressure comes from the bottom up from employees, hmm. uh, but a good deal of pressure also comes from the outside in. I mean, outside of Larry Fink, what, what do you think they get out of it? What, what is it that they're, do you think they all believe it? Or do you think that they're doing this because they've got some, some reason behind it that is more related to, you know, profits and their position and how they're seen by society? Well, I, I think that there's a handful uh, in, in the book, in the introduction to the book, in fact, I, I try to distinguish between the true believers, which I think Larry Fink is uh, one of those, but also between those who have seen the value created uh, by the true believers and have decided to get into the game because they think that there's, again, there's a niche here to exploit. Uh, there's a market here that can be uh, created and used to create wealth. But there's also a handful of people who are just scared to death uh, of their shareholders and the activists, uh, people who just want very much to be left alone and will do anything they can to get the activists to back off. 
so let's bring it down to smaller business because uh, you know, our audience is primarily um, smaller business entrepreneurs. How does this affecting what uh, you see basically Main Street? How, how, how is this whole thing in Wall Street affecting Main Street? Well, one of the chief ways that it's affecting Main Street is that you have, uh, you know, if you're an owner of a business and you provide a 401k plan for uh, your retirees, you have a handful of options as to who's going to manage your plan and what sort of funds are going to be invested in. Uh, and if your 401k is invested with BlackRock, then you're supporting essentially uh, the woking of American business. Larry Fink has said explicitly that it's not just the ESG funds that he holds that are going to be used to vote for sustainability and diversity and equity and inclusion, but all of the funds that he holds are going to be put to that use. Uh, that sustainability in particular is his primary investment criteria. So if you happen to have your funds, your 401k plan, your, uh, your employees' retirement funds invested in a BlackRock fund, then Larry Fink is taking your shareholder rights uh, and he is exercising that vote to advance his political beliefs. Uh, and the risk, uh, obviously, is that it will compromise return on investment. Uh, so that's one of the ways that it affects small businesses considerably, is that it creates this problem where, as an employer, you can't be absolutely certain that you're doing the best by your employees because you cannot control mm. uh, the shares, the votes uh, that your retirement funds are going into. So I always believe there's only there's only two things that a business owner, well, there's two primary things somebody wants, power or money, right? And so how do you think, um, do, you, do you see this as also an issue as far as currying favor from a political standpoint with, the, um, with Washington, D.C.? You were in Washington, D.C. I, I think it's more an issue of uh, trying to drag Washington, D.C. along with the uh, oh, capitalists. I get into arguments occasionally with others who deal in this field, um, whether or not we're, we're talking about corporatism or corporatocracy. And a corporate corporatist state is a state in which business and government collude uh, to uh, keep the people out of the decision-making process, but government leads. Uh, and corporatocracy is the opposite, where business leads. And I tend to think that this is a corporate corporatocratic issue uh, where big business is driving this and sort of dragging government along with it. Interesting. I, I have not heard that point of view. That's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Now, you, your book's called The Dictatorships of Vote Capital. So I, I gather you're not a fan. I, I'm not a fan. Uh, I think that even if we were able to take the claims of ESG investments at face value, that you can do well by doing good, uh, that I oppose the way this is done because it, it's anti-democratic. It takes the policymaking process out of the hands of the people and their elected representatives, and it takes shareholder rights away from the actual owners uh, of those shares. So I, I oppose this basically on philosophical grounds. Uh, but as we've seen over the past year or so, uh, there's reasons to oppose it on other grounds as well. Uh, for example, you know, doing. Uh, doing well or doing good by doing well. First of all, ESG funds are not going to do as, as well as uh, traditional uh, investment funds are going to do. And in addition, they, they don't do a whole lot uh, to improve the situations that they claim to improve. Um, Larry Fink claims to be pushing for sustainability and yet he's the largest single shareholder 
of PetroChina, which is the, the listed arm of the Chinese National Petroleum Company, which is in no way, shape or form a clean energy company. Right. Uh, so we have, you know, this hypocrisy uh, that, that causes a, a significant uh, um, issues with even the way the ESG claims are laid out. So make sure everybody understands what we're talking about. Can you lay out ESGs and, and what all that means to in the, in the um, investing world? Okay, ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Corporate Governance Investing. Uh, and ESG funds are generally funds that will pick stocks based on their, uh, either their potential for engagement uh, on environmental, social, and governance issues, or will divest from certain uh, companies based on those issues. Generally, uh, ESG, as opposed to socially responsible investing, will be the co coercive side of this, the side mm -hmm. that will buy companies specifically to confront them, uh, specifically to try and change their behaviors, uh, to introduce shareholder proposals, et cetera, uh, and put activists on uh, corporate boards that are trying to change the way corporations behave, to leverage the power uh, that the shares that they have under management, to leverage that power in order to change the way companies actually act. So, so, so basically what I'm hearing is, is that when you buy into a fund that is one of these ESG funds, you're basically um, buying into their whole, the, the, the belief system and the modeling of whoever is running those funds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, generally, they, they are supposed to have a fairly clear description of what the fund uh, is about, what its goals are, what its intentions are. Uh, but that's one of the, the big problems with ESG is that there are no set standards uh, and anybody at this point can label almost anything they want to ESG uh, and use it exclusively as a marketing technique. So how, how, do, you, how do you, or how do they um, reconcile that style of investing with the, the, the mandate for corporate value? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's that's one of the things that's a problem is that when you hear these same uh, business leaders, uh, these same asset management uh, companies speak about stakeholder capitalism, they want to make sure that we're taking care of all the stakeholders. They're not speaking about stakeholder capitalism in the way that a small business owner would, would speak about it. Uh, a small business owner would say, yes, of course, I have to take care of my employees. Yes, I have to make sure my customers are satisfied. Yes, I have to take care of all of this, because if I don't, then I'm not going to be successful. Right. The way the big businesses look at it, they look at stakeholder capitalism as a normative proposition, which is to say that they take each and every one of the stakeholders as an end in and of itself. The purpose of a corporation is to serve the stakeholders, not necessarily the shareholders. The purpose of a corporation is to make this population of employees happy or this particular community happy in addition to providing for the shareholders. So essentially what they're doing is they're abdicating their role uh, as fiduciaries and claiming mm -hmm. uh, that they have an existing moral role that goes beyond that. Hey, if you like 
financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine. He's a client of mine. He's a former board certified surgeon and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. Actually, the name of our company is WealthAbility and our, our goal is to help people take charge of their own wealth as opposed to turning it over Wall Street. Uh, to me, this sounds like an argument for being in charge of your own wealth creation as opposed to letting somebody else handle it. Because if you do let somebody else handle it, you are letting them handle it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the thing is if, if you turn your money over to your investment advisor and, and he puts you in State Street or Vanguard or BlackRock funds, then State Street, BlackRock and Vanguard take your uh, shareholder rights uh, and they use them for their purposes. So, yeah, you're absolutely correct. If you're involved, if you're invested in large ETFs, uh, large index funds that are run by some of these woke managers, then they are usurping your shareholder rights. So what do you do about it? So, well, so, the first so thing you do us, is you give us some things you do. Well, the first thing you do is you make yourself aware of what the problem is. You uh, do your best to try and understand what ESG is, what the sustainability movement is, what stakeholder capitalism is, and what all of this means uh, to your wealth and the way that the large Wall Street firms uh, are handling this. The second thing you do is you find out where your money is. Uh, if you happen to be an employee at a small business and your 401, you contribute to your 401k every month, find out who's managing it. Find out who is, you know, what sort of funds it's invested in. Find out if there's any way, uh, if it's invested with one of these wealth capital asset management firms, if there's any way that the business uh, leaders, the CEO will consider moving it, considering having it locally managed, uh, doing something a little more uh, with the community as opposed to simply turning over this wealth and the, the, the accompanying shareholder rights to the big firms. How do you actually do that research? How do you actually find out about this? How do you, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to dig a little bit, how, I mean, how do you know? I mean, obviously, you know, other than those that you've mentioned, how do you know? You should be, you should get a statement uh, quarterly uh, that will tell you, you know, where the, where your contributions are being uh, invested. Uh, if you don't ask HR uh, to, help you figure that out. If you're a small business owner, then ask your, you know, if you have your money directly invested uh, with an investment advisor, ask him or her where your money is going. It's not, it seems like it should be a, a very daunting, complicated task, but it really isn't uh, in practice. Uh, you have to look at your statements and you have to ask a few questions, which may be uncomfortable, uh, but you, you can in fact find out where your money is being invested. And you can also, uh, if you invest in stocks individually, you can also take this up with the companies themselves. You can get involved uh, at annual stake, or at, pardon me, mm -hmm. annual shareholder meetings. Uh, you can call, you know, shareholder the, the shareholder response teams at the companies and 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 talk to them about what you think uh, the problems with the way your your wealth is being used by them. Uh, so you can get yourself involved. 
and, and the idea it basically is to engage any way you can. Um, don't boycott, don't get out and just run away and say, you know what, Coke is woke, so I'm not gonna drink Coke products. If you are a consumer, complain to consumer relations. If you're an investor in Coke, then complain to shareholder uh, resource, you know, to complain to investor resources. But just get involved uh, and be active uh, in engaging the companies that you believe are violating uh, your shareholder rights and your political values. So on the other side, if you, you know, if you actually value that and you actually think that's a good thing, then you ought to be looking at that side of it too. That fair? Yeah, absolutely. And make sure they really are doing what they say they're doing when, you know, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, like the NBA talks about uh, human rights and then they, and then they, they, they give into China. Right. I mean, there's a conflict, obvious conflict yeah. going on there. Well, yeah. And, and, and again, that's one of the things that has made ESG investing so frustrating for a lot of people. They want to do, they, yeah. they share these values. They, they have environmental uh, aspirations. They want to get involved. And yet, even though they're investing in ESG funds, they find out that all that the ESG fund is concerned about is making sure that it's not selling tobacco products and it's not investing in guns. Uh, that's not going to help you if you have uh, you know, as I said, environmental beliefs that you would like for your wealth uh, to be promoting. So, uh, you know, it's a very confusing time uh, right now. Various governments and various international agencies are trying to straighten out uh, and provide definitions uh, for what ESG is, what it means, and who can claim to be ESG friendly. But, you know, that carries with it a whole host of other issues uh, that come from you know, top-down regulatory regimes. Yeah, very interesting. You know, this is uh, this is our argument for, um, as I said, for taking control and of your wealth and doing private investing as opposed to the public investing. The, the returns certainly are higher on private investing as well, as long as you get the um, education that you need in order to do that private investing. Um, but uh, Steve, I really appreciate uh, you writing this book. Really appreciate, it. and it's not that. You know, I mean, there's some good causes out there. I mean, for example, I'm a big fan of solar technology. Right. I mean, I'm a sure. huge fan of it. So I have, I, so I put solar on my uh, studio. I put solar on my, on my business building. So I'm, but I want to do that, but I don't want to turn it over to somebody else. You know, in, independent business owners, entrepreneurs, we like to be in control. And yep. uh, it sounds like this is just another reason to take control of your, of, of your money and your taxes and your wealth. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. All right. Well, thank you. Um, besides the book, The Dictatorship, Woke Capital, where else can we find information uh, about you, Steve? Well, I, uh, I can be found at wokecapital.org, uh, which is the website for uh, our uh, nonprofit arm, the Political Forum Institute, uh, which is dedicated specifically to creating and promoting community among those uh, who have shared values of free markets and free peoples, uh, and particularly those who are involved in capital markets. Awesome. Thank you again. Again, the book is The Dictatorship of Woke Capital. Uh, our guest is Steve Sukup. And uh, remember, when we get that financial education and we take control of our own wealth and our own taxes, we're always going to make way more money and pay way less tax. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.